0: Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We are so glad that you are here. It's been a a great week. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hey, I'd like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the guy uh, that ended up at the pearly gates of heaven uh, in a conversation with the Apostle Peter, St. Peter? And St. Peter looked at him and said, yeah, before I let you in, have you done anything of particular merit before? He said, well, matter of fact, uh, once I came up with a a gang of bikers who were threatening a young woman. He said, really? He said, I approached the largest and the heavily tattooed guy and uh, I smacked him on top of the head. Uh, I kicked over his bike. I grabbed his nose ring and I jerked it out and I threw him to the ground. Peter said, wow, that is impressive. When did that happen? He said, a few minutes ago. I told that to Patty last night, practicing, and she said, "I don't get it." I said, "The biker killed him, and that's why he's standing in front of St. Peter." And so, anyway, I didn't go. I didn't. At nine o'clock, they were not quite awake. Because she said, "Patty said after church, she said Marty, I had four ladies ask me. I didn't get. I didn't understand that joke. Here's the deal. I need more jokes. I need you to send them to me." I need you to email, send me the. I can't be better unless you help me, okay? And so, uh, but I'll have to, disc- just the clean ones. Okay, we're wrapping up our, our series called Get Off Your Donkey uh, with this final message. And over the last four weeks, we've been looking at the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, most of us are familiar with the story, but you may not realize it is really a story within a story. It all developed one day when a, a lawyer, an expert in the law, came to Jesus and asked Him this question. Hey, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, in our minds, we think He must be talking about heaven. But in the Jewish mindset, He was saying, how can I have the best life here and now? How can I have a life of purpose? How can I have a life of meaning? And so Jesus Uh, said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, wait a minute, who is my neighbor? And at that point, Jesus started telling the story, the story that you and I are so familiar with. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him Half dead. Now, this Jewish traveler was going down this dangerous road. In fact, they called this road from Jerusalem to Jericho. They call it uh, the Ascent of Blood uh, because it was infamous for for muggings and beatings and and crimes taking place there. And in Jesus's story, thieves robbed this man, beat him up, and left him half dead. That's significant because in the Jewish mindset, half dead meant he was about to die any moment now. Next verse, a priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man and he passed by to the other side. Can you imagine that man's laying on the side of the road and he looks up, kind of fuzzy, and he sees this priest coming and he's just thinking, praise God, uh, you have sent somebody to help me. And he was excited that he had help coming. And then he noticed the priest crossed the road and went to the other side. And then, next verse. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by to the other side. And he thought, surely this guy's going to help. But he was just like the priest. He passed by. And so he's thinking, man, that that was my last chance. I'm going to die here. But lo and behold, Jesus is telling the story. And there's a twist in the story. The twist is the third character is introduced. We talked about two weeks ago. It was a Samaritan. And what do we know about the Samaritans? We know the Samaritans and the Jews. They had this rivalry, this fierce... um, fight going on. Uh, Jews considered them half-breeds and so forth. It was like the Hatfields and McCoys, okay? There's uh, intensity there around this relationship. And so a Samaritan came down and saw where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went over to him, bandaged his wound. He poured oil. He poured wine on him. Then he put the man, what, on his own donkey. And brought him to an inn and took care of him. Now, the next day, he took out two denarii. Now, why is that significant? We learned it last week that a day's wages, uh, a typical day's wages, would be one denarii. So, what we see here is this Samaritan is giving two days' wages for this innkeeper. And he goes on to say, um, When I return, if you've spent any extra money, I will reimburse you the full amount. And so this Samaritan not only helped a man in need, but this Samaritan went the extra mile. And so we see this. And so many times um, uh, we see this story and we just see a part of it. But we, uh, there's more to this story. Because as Jesus told the story, the, the lawyer, uh, <clears throat> Jesus asked the lawyers, okay, which of these three... Was a neighbor. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Jesus is asking that lawyer this. He's continued the conversation. The story's over. He said, now, which of these three? Next verse. He said, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy. That's, that's the key. The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, he said, okay, that's good. Go and do Likewise. So you notice that the one who had mercy, well, what is mercy? You can fill in the blank here. Love is, uh, excuse me, mercy is love in action. So many of us, when we th- hear the word mercy, we think mercy is like feeling sorry for somebody. And we say, oh, uh, oh, mercy. Or, or we think, um, you know, bless your heart. And, and we just we feel sorry for this, this person. But mercy is more than feeling sorry for somebody. Mercy involves doing something about it. The Bible says the man took pity on him. If you were to look up the concept of mercy in in the dictionary in Webster's, mercy is refraining from harm or punishment. Or secondly, it is an unexpected kindness. So, what he's saying is there's two different sides of mercy. There's a forgiving side of mercy that's withholding that thing that I deserve. I deserve that. I'm sorry. And then there's this compassionate side of mercy that says, uh, Oh, uh, uh, give me what I don't deserve. And so you've got this forgiving and this compassionate side. And uh, the forgiving side is refraining from punishment. The compassionate side is being willing to go the extra mile to help somebody else out. And this is what we see unfolding here. The good Samaritan got off his donkey and he did something. He didn't just feel sorry for the man like we often do, but he actually did something. He took care of the man who was robbed, beaten, and left half dead. He put his love in action. And so Jesus looked at him and said, Well, I want you to go and do likewise. Now, we often see this story, and we see this story as a story of random acts of kindness. And we said, Yes, that's what we should do. Now, I believe that's true. It is, it is about random acts of kindness. But it's more than that. It's about putting love into practice. It is about putting love in action. That's what uh, Leanne Tui did with Michael Orr. Many of you may have seen the story. How many of you have ever seen the movie Blindside? Anybody? Okay. A lot of movie buffs here. This is a long time ago. There's a point in the movie, if you hadn't seen the movie, it's where Leanne Tui takes in a true story, an African-American kid who was living on the streets. Now, she was having lunch with some of her friends at the country club, and a conversation developed. I want you to listen to that last phrase that she said watch this hey does michael get the family discount at taco bell because if he does sean's gonna lose a few stores <laughs> he's a good kid well i say you make it official and just adopt him <laughs> uh, he's gonna be 18 in a few months doesn't really make much sense to legally adopt leanne is this some sort of white guilt thing what will your daddy say? Um, before or after he turns over in his grave. Daddy's been gone five years, Elaine. Make matters worse, you were at the funeral. Remember? You wore Chanel in that awful black hat. Look, here's the deal. I don't need y'all to approve my choices, all right? But I do ask that you respect them. You have no idea of what this boy's been through, and if this is going to become some running diatribe, I can find an overpriced salad a lot closer to home. Leanne, I'm so sorry. We didn't intend to... No, we didn't, really. I think what you're doing is so great. To open up your home to him. And, honey, you're changing that boy's life. No. He's changing my... said, so, no, he's changing my life. I believe that when we roll up our sleeves and help somebody else out, it changes our lives. We said it before that we're born to be blessed and then we're born to be a blessing to other people. We are blessed when we bless others. So let's just be very practical. Over the next few minutes, we going to talk about how do we show mercy? And, you know, we're going to lay a foundation of three simple things. First of all, mercy begins with awareness. We need to look to the needs of people around us. Mercy begins with awareness. And so we, that means that we've got to start looking in our neighborhood. Maybe we start looking in our friendship group at work. Maybe we start looking in our family or our extended family. Mercy always begins with awareness. It begins with paying attention. It begins with, by taking notice. What do you see going on? You know, the reason that most of us are not merciful people is not that we're bad people. I'm not necessarily a mean person. I think I'm not merciful sometimes simply because I am too busy. That we find ourselves so busy that we're moving from one thing to another thing and we're not paying attention to those things that are going on around us. If you're not looking and you're not listening, then you are not going to be merciful. Here's the second principle. Mercy flows out of this unconditional love. Flows out of unconditional love that we, we love that in spite of. Here's the point. We shouldn't be offended by the sins of other people because grace is messy. Grace is messy. And... And we can't allow the other person's choices or uh, status to keep us from rolling up our sleeves and helping out. So many times I want to look at that person and say, hey, when you get your act together and you demonstrate that you'll do something, then I'll come and I'll help you. I have that kind of attitude sometimes, but I, we can't be that way. We've got to come to the place... Where we accept people as they are in their journey. We've got to accept them as they are in their journey at this place. Here's here's what I'm saying. I cannot look out for people if I am looking down on people. I cannot look out for people... If I am looking down on people, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you call yourself a Christian and you're looking down on somebody, then you cannot look out for them. The Bible calls us to show mercy. Jude chapter one, verse 22 says, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Everybody's not where you are spiritually. There are some folks that their their faith is teetering back and forth. We've got to show mercy to those whose faith is way. Next verse said, we've got to rescue others by what? Snatching them from the flames of judgment. That's pretty graphic there. That we're snatching them from the flames of judgment. He said, show mercy to others, but also do so with great caution. And this is where the balance comes in. We do so with great caution. Hating the sins that contaminate their lives. In other words, we hate the sin, but we love the sinner. We hate the sin. We, we love the sinner. Showing mercy doesn't mean that I say everything is okay. Live like you want to live. It's not okay. It's not okay if you're addicted to things. Showing mercy is not saying, oh, everything's fine. That's your truth. No, it's not. Showing mercy does not mean that we look the other way and we ignore it. There is a difference between acceptance And approval. Jesus accepts me as I am. He completely accepts me as I am. But Jesus does not approve of everything that I do. Jesus accepts you as you are. But he does not approve of everything that you do. And it is unrealistic for us. To expect a non-believer, a non-Christian, to have the same moral standards as a believer. First of all, they don't understand it. And secondly, they don't have the power to do anything about it. They don't understand that Jesus' grace is there to wipe the slate clean and to give you a new opportunity and they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside to give them the strength to say no. And so we show mercy. We show mercy and by demonstrating unconditional love. Here's the third thing. Mercy means choosing your words wisely. You are never persuasive when you are abrasive got to choose your words wisely. You know what that means to me personally? I've got to put a monitor on my mouth. If I'm going to show mercy, there's some things that I simply cannot say. They may be truthful, but mercy says, I'm not going to say that at this particular time. Mercy says, I'm going to watch my words. I'm not going to be mean to people. That I'm not going to be rude to people. I'm not going to be sarcastic with people. I'm not going to put people down. I'm going to choose my words wisely. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, Let your conversation be full of, be gracious and be attractive. Let your, let your words be gracious, Cut somebody some slack. Give them them grace. And then allow your words to be attractive. Allow your words to be like a magnet that draws people close, that draws people close to you. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. You are never going to be persuasive if you are abrasive. A little kindness is going to go a long way. So let's just let that be a foundation. So tomorrow morning, we're going to get up and we're going to go to school. We're going to go to work. We're going to be out in the community. We've heard this message over the last four weeks about the Good Samaritan. We've seen and we thought about the, the story of that, that hurt and wounded man on the side of the road. We've seen the, uh, the picture of the good Samaritan getting off of his donkey and doing something about it, helping the, the guy in need. So what do we do? What's our next step? Here's six things I want you to consider as you move into this week, as you're going to work, as you're going into the neighborhood, as you're going to ball games this week, as you're going to school. I want you, first of all, to look for for people in crisis and listen to them. I want you to look for people who are in crisis. If you want to help somebody, listen to them. There is healing and listening that's why people pay money to counselors they pay money to counselors because they need somebody to listen to them and i would say that's a good investment that is a good investment In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, it says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what's a burden? Now, a burden can be a physical burden. It can be, a, um, let's say, a financial burden. It can be a relational burden. For the most part, burdens are emotional stress or emotional stresses. There could be multiple stresses. And when people are under emotional stress, it burdens them down. And this scripture says, I want you to carry each other's burdens. Well, how do you carry somebody's burden? It begins by just simply listening to them. When you listen to somebody who's going through a crisis, you're showing mercy. And in this way, you're fulfilling the law of Christ. You're carrying somebody's burden. That's what the good Samaritan did in this story. He stopped and helped a man. He carried his burden. Here's the second thing. Look for people who have unmet needs and help them. Look for people who have unmet needs. Now let's uh, pause for a moment and be very practical. So many times when we read a scripture or or we're talking about the Bible, we go uh, really deep on the theory and we go deep into theology. This is not that time. But this may be the deepest thing that you uh, that you uh, hear today. Look for, be practical. In other words, maybe somebody needs a ride tomorrow. Okay? Maybe their car is in the shop. And that you can ex- show mercy to them by saying, hey, let me pick you up. I know there's Uber. I know there's Lyft. They can catch a ride that way. But maybe you can show mercy. Had a guy stop me um, Right after the second service, he said, Marty, he said, an interesting thing happened to me this past week. He said, I was at the courthouse and um, I was coming out of the courthouse and I saw somebody that I'd recognized from inside and, and they were walking. And I said, do you need a ride? And they said, no, I'm gonna, I can walk. And he, he said, well, where do you live? I live on the other side of the hospital. And so the hospital was several miles away from this person. And they said, no, let me take you. And they found out that uh, she actually lived four miles past the hospital, that that person walked seven miles to get to court and was about to walk seven miles back until this guy that was in the second service picked her up, carried her home. Sometimes it's as simple as that. It may be helping somebody else out that, that's in a crisis. It could be that you notice that somebody needs some work done on their house and that you can fix a handrail or you can do something like that. But let me do a disclaimer. If you're not a handyman, don't, don't inflict your talent on somebody else, okay? <laughs> Ask your wife, do you think I could do this? Because some of you can and you're great. And some of you uh, are great at other things. But we look around us and we look for unmet needs and we help people out. This is the message of Romans 15 and 2. It's that each of us should please our neighbors for their good. To what? To build them up. We're going to build them up. So we look for people who have unmet needs and we help them. The third thing is we look for people who are grieving and we comfort them. Every day someone around you has a loss. Some people have lost a job. Maybe they've lost their dreams. Maybe they've lost their savings. Maybe they've lost a relationship. They've lost their health. Loss is a universal problem. And you know it. You're going to have a lot of losses in your life. And so will the people around you. And there are no losses without grieving and pain. And this week, just maybe, you uh, will come up upon someone that's had a loss and there's grieving and there's pain and that you're called there to show mercy to that person. Well, what does that look like? Here's what it looks like. It could be as simple as this, that you know that a friend of yours uh, has had a loved one pass away. Let's say a mom passed away, that you go and said, Hey... I heard about your mom passing away and I am so sorry for that, to hear that news. And that's what it means to show mercy. It's simple as that. Or it may be, I heard about um, that you lost your job and the company downsized. I'm sorry to that and I'll say a prayer for you. It could be that. It could be as practical as uh, that you hear of a loss and that you go home and you make a casserole. You do something just so practical. We overcomplicate things when it comes to God's word. But God's word should be very practical to us that when we look at people who are grieving and that we comfort them, it may be as simple as writing a card or sending a text or maybe cooking a casserole and just saying, I am so sorry to hear the news of those things that you're going through. I am so sorry for your pain and loss. Here's the fourth thing. Look for people this week who are needing friends and show hospitality. Look for people, they need a friend. You know, there's some folks that are, are, are shy and they don't have a lot of friends. Or maybe they're socially awkward. And you can see it in the group. You can see it uh, uh, ...in settings that you're in and you can spot these folks that just struggle uh, to be outward or, or struggle to connect with people. Why don't you make the first step and go to that shy person and go to that socially awkward person and just say hello and just be kind. I believe that loneliness is one of the greatest uh, challenges that we have as a culture. We are so connected in all different ways but yet... We are disconnected from people. Loneliness. And God hates loneliness. God hate it says says that in the book of Genesis, it says that I don't want man to be alone. And so one of the ways that we can show mercy is looking for people who are lonely and just showing them hospitality. In Romans chapter twelve and verse thirteen it says, When God's people are in need, be ready, be ready to help them. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them and always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, that's interesting here. Always be eager to practice hospitality because hospitality is really a lost art in our culture. It's a lost art. Um, I feel like that... And other times, uh, it was easier to connect with people. But the truth of the matter is, we work long hours, we go home, and we hit a... Many of us have a garage door, and we hit a button, and we drive in the garage, and we hit a button, and it closes out, and we don't talk to anybody. And it could be that we've talked all day long, and we don't, can't talk to anybody. I've been there uh, before. There's something about hospitality... Having a cup of coffee with somebody could be very important. Sharing a meal with somebody. I mean this what I'm going to tell you is so radical and it is foreign. Consider inviting somebody over to your house. That is foreign. Because so often we'll do anything but we don't want anybody to come in and invade our space but the Bible says be eager to show hospitality. We have to change. We've got to be open to the people God brings our way because one day I think we'll stand before God and be judged on how we use the resources that he's given us. Here's the fifth one. Look for people who need a second chance. You know, everybody has stumbled. Everybody's failed. Everybody's made mistakes. We've all sinned. Everybody has flaws. And so look for people who are going through a period of failure. Maybe they've failed at a relationship. Maybe they have failed in a job and they've been released from that job. Could it be this week you're going to meet somebody who's failed at something? And you're going to be the one that gives them a second chance. And that's one of the most powerful ways that you can show mercy. And that second chance may be sitting down and, and just talking them through it. And maybe that second chance is just telling your story. It says, you know, I can't completely relate to what you're going through, but here's uh, something similar that's happened to me. And I know that I have, um, I got through that, and I believe you can get through it too. And you extend mercy by. Sh- by extending a second chance. Here's the sixth and final one. I want you to look for people who are rude and be kind for them. Now, this is probably not very hard. You go to work tomorrow and maybe you can look and find somebody rude by the time 9 o'clock rolls around. I don't know. Um, but look for people who are rude. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because God has placed us in this community to be his voice, to demonstrate his love, to care for people. This world is not a perfect place and we don't live in a cocoon here. We live in a broken world and people, yes, are rude sometimes. People are, have so much pent-up energy and disappointment and they've lost hope and oftentimes it just spills out. And it is not pretty, it is not nice, and they don't deserve kindness at all. But here's what the Bible says, don't repay evil for evil, don't um, retaliate with insults when people insult you, instead pay them back with a blessing. It is a blessing that when somebody is rude and somebody is mean to you, that you just hold your tongue. And maybe you're kind. You know, the Bible says that a soft answer turns away wrath. You're in this argument with somebody? A soft answer turns away wrath. Okay. Pay them back with a... <clears throat> Instead, pay them back with a blessing. So that is what God has called you to do. And notice this. And He will grant you His blessing. yes. These people who are evil and these people who are rude to you, you're going to be kind to them. And don't expect kindness from an evil person or a rude person. But don't worry, you will be paid back. And you will be paid back with a greater blessing. And I believe the blessing will be 30, 60, and a hundredfold return. He says, and he will grant you his blessing. God's blessing will come upon you. Yes, it is painful to hold your tongue. It is painful to be kind to people who are evil and insulting. But if we can demonstrate the love of Jesus and we can be kind back to them... Get ready for God's blessing to flow over you and to flow over your house. So those are the six things. And they're right here on your uh, insert for you to look at this week. But let me say this. When we look at these six statements, you've got to understand this. It's going to cost you something. If you try to do these six things, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your patience. It may cost you some energy, emotional energy. It may cost you some money. But God will see all of that. And here's why I say that. In Matthew chapter 25 and 35, He said, For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your house. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And they said, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. When did we ever see you sick? When did we ever see you in prison? When did we ever visit you? And the king will say this. I'll tell you the truth when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters you were doing it unto me now this is the essence of Christianity this is the essence and we read the story of the Good Samaritan we've studied it for four weeks now and I would say simply this it's time to do something it's time to take the initiative. It's time to be kind. It's time to, uh, to visit that person in the hospital. It's time to send that card. Maybe to help that, that single mom out. It's time to maybe babysit for, for that single mom who has another child that's got to go to the doctor. Maybe it's time to help that widow with her yard work. And on and on and on. Don't overcomplicate this story. But this story is right where we live. So open up your heart to God's promptings. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so very much this day. I thank you for your kindness and your mercy and uh, the peace that you've given us. And we thank you for your blessings on us. And Father, I pray over this congregation. I pray, God, that you would anoint the people in this auditorium and anoint the people that are watching online. I pray, Father, that you would give us opportunities this week to be your hands to this community. God, to be your voice in this community. I pray, God, that you would give us strength to rise up and to be the people you've called us to be. God, let us be light in this world. Let us dispel the darkness. Father, let your spirit rest upon your church and let us be your people in Jesus' name. We pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening.